So before we press play on today's video, I just wanted to say that it felt a little bit weird and insensitive and irresponsible to not acknowledge the state of the world right now and just act as if everything was totally normal and business as usual and things are very not normal right now. And just so our position is clear here at Super Carlin Brothers, Black Lives Matter. I will admit that I am not particularly eloquent or anything when it comes to discussing matters of race, but I also think that's how a lot of people are feeling right now, and I'm trying to do better. So with whatever little internet clout I may have, I would like to encourage everyone watching to do the following. First, use this time to educate yourself read books, listen to what is being said, especially by black voices, and elevate those voices, and try and have an open mind. Second, try to be honest with yourself about any hopefully unintentional racial biases you may possess. And third, if you can, donate. Money Talks, and there's a lot of really great causes and nonprofits. We'll link to a bunch of them down in the description down below, along with a bunch of books you can read if you need a place to start educating yourself. Black Lives Matter. We can do better, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, brother. I don't like that one. Hey, brother. Guys, welcome to part seven of Dumbledore's Big Plan, where today we are going to be discussing the Deathly Hallows. If you haven't seen parts one through six, I recommend you check that out before you watch this one. But otherwise, let's do this. Guys, this has been an insane journey. But at long last, here we are, book seven, The Deathly Hallows, where it all finally comes together and the full extent of Dumbledore's big plan is realized. The particularly tricky part about the Deathly Hallows, though, is that, well, Dumbledore is dead. So you might be wondering, uh, what plans could he possibly even still have in motion? Like, yeah, sure, Harry is out working to destroy the Horcruxes, but didn't we discuss that in the last episode? Yes, we did. But last week, what we discussed was Dumbledore's plan to kill Voldemort and to make sure Harry survives the encounter. This week, however, we go even deeper to reveal Dumbledore's plan not just to protect Harry's physical existence, but also his soul. Let's do this. Guys, before we dive on in, I want to give a huge thank you to today's sponsor, The Ridge Wallet. Father's Day is just around the corner, and as a father myself, I can tell you that these wallets are indeed dad approved. Or, or really anyone, and it, lots of people use wallets. If you carry around like cards and money and stuff, you probably need one, so you're, it's approved for you too. For the longest time, I just hated how we sit on our wallets all day long. They're bulky, they contain receipts from the past two to seven years, concert tickets, movie tickets, hotel room keys, in case you know you go back to that same room one day, I don't know. Three different restaurant punch cards from the same restaurant. You're never getting that free sub, man. But that is what makes the Ridge Wallet so perfect. It doesn't fold or bulge in your back pocket and is even designed to be carried in your front pocket if that's your jelly. I think the phrase is jam. Ben, I'm a, I'm a dad. I think I know what I'm talking about when it comes to what your jelly is. This wallet holds up to 12 cards and has room for cash, which is a form of currency I'm told people used to carry around. It comes in over 30 colors, including this one, which I'm told is called burnt titanium. 
They've got over 30,000 five-star reviews. Guys, just go check them out. You can get 10% off when you go to ridge.com slash SCB and use promo code SCB. Again, that is ridge.com slash SCB, promo code SCB for 10% off. Link is in the description down below. Story time. Guys, I still remember the very first time I read The Deathly Hallows and the unbridled joy and excitement I felt when I finally got to the final battle. Harry and Voldemort are circling each other in the Great Hall and Voldemort has the Elder Wand, but Harry has a few more secrets. And as he was revealing them, just the, the waves of realization that were washing over me. <gasps> Draco disarmed Dumbledore. <gasps> Harry took that wand from Draco. Harry is the master of the Elder Wand. Oh my God. Expelliarmus! Bang! Wins! Kapow! <sighs> so fun. But the trouble is that now, after nearly 20 years of reflection, countless rereads, and hundreds of YouTube videos, I've come to the conclusion and the realization that the Elder Wand wasn't really that important to the final battle. Because by the time the final battle happens, Harry is basically invincible against Voldemort. Since Goblet of Fire, when Voldemort used Harry's blood to regenerate his body, the two have both been acting as each other's anchors to life. Lily's sacrificial love is kept alive in Voldemort, who anchors Harry, and Harry has a piece of Voldemort's soul inside of him, anchoring Voldemort. Neither can kill the other, but also must always be hunting the other. Voldemort has to kill Harry because according to the prophecy, Harry is the only one with the power to defeat him, and Harry must hunt Voldemort for the exact same reason, he's the only one who can do it. The problem is, they couldn't kill each other even if they wanted to, and to complicate matters further, their wands share twin cores so they can't even fight each other properly. But by the time we get to the final battle, the rules have changed. Each of them has a new wand, and all of the Horcruxes, including the one inside of Harry, have been destroyed. Meaning that Voldemort cannot kill Harry, but that Harry can kill Voldemort. So whoever's the master of the Elder Wand doesn't really matter. Harry has won the fight before it's even started. And when I first realized this, it was kind of a bummer to me. I mean, it's the climax of the entire series, and the fight is about who controls the Elder Wand. Like, how could it not matter? And so I've been asking myself, like, what was the point? Why go through all that trouble to ensure that Harry was in fact master of the Elder Wand? What difference did it make? And the answer is that it made all the difference in the world. Let's back up a few beats to when Scrimgeour reads the contents of Dumbledore's will to Harry, Ron, and Hermione, because it reveals a lot about Dumbledore's intended plan. He, of course, bequeathed the Deluminator to Ron, the Tales of Beetle the Bard to Hermione, and the Resurrection Stone to Harry. And we talked last week about the importance of the Resurrection Stone in terms of Harry marching nobly into defeat so that he could actually survive the final encounter. Basically, that Dumbledore understood how much courage it was going to require to walk into the forest right there and face Voldemort completely wandless, and maybe if you could be escorted by the ones you love the most. That was just the final bit of courage. Harry would need. But there was also a fourth object left in Dumbledore's will, which tells the rest of his plan, the Sword of Gryffindor. 
Harry laments in the Deathly Hallows, it was there, it was right there on the wall of his office during all of our talks last year. If you wanted me to have it, why didn't he just give it to me then? Then later on in the story, Harry, Ron, and Hermione conclude that the reason Dumbledore didn't give Harry the sword was because he still planned on using it on the locket. And Dumbledore didn't give it to me because he still needed it. He wanted to use it on the locket. And he must have realized they wouldn't let you have it if they put it in his will, so he made a copy and put a fake one in the glass case. Aha! And that explanation seems to satisfy the Golden Trio, but it is not actually an accurate conclusion to come to. Yes, Dumbledore realized the Ministry wouldn't actually give it to Harry if he left it to him in his will, but that's kind of the sticking point. He left it in his will, and the will was written before for the events of the night of Dumbledore's death. Which is important because it means that Dumbledore never intended to give Harry the sword. Like even if they had successfully made it back that night and had indeed destroyed the locket, Dumbledore was not just going to hand it over. He always intended Harry to receive the sword post-mortem. And you might be thinking, well, couldn't he have planned to give it to him in person and then included it in his will just in case he couldn't do that, like just to cover all of his bases? But no, he could not have done that for the same reasons. If he knew that the Ministry wouldn't give him the sword, then if he gave the sword to him ahead of time and then the Ministry found out he had it after the fact, they could go and seize it. I mean, that's assuming they could find him. No one really ever does, so it probably would have been fine, but... You know? My point is, if the plan was just to give it to him in person, then you wouldn't include it in the will because that would just tip off the ministry. I will say it is possible that Dumbledore did intend to at least show Harry how to use the sword to destroy a Horcrux so that later on, when the will was read, Harry at least understood why he was being given the sword. But that part of the plan didn't really pan out, and it's not the only part of the plan that doesn't go as expected before Dumbledore dies. The other thing that didn't go as intended was the passage of the allegiance of the Elder Wand to Snape. If you planned your death with Snape, you meant him to end up with the Elder Wand, didn't you? I admit, that was my intention, said Dumbledore, but it did not work as I intended, did it? So, here's what we know Dumbledore actually planned before he died. First was for Snape to kill him, and subsequently for Harry and everyone else to believe Snape killed him. Second was for Snape to be the master of the Elder Wand. And third was for Harry to get the sword after he had died. And these three things tell us everything and reveal Dumbledore's grand plan to protect Harry's soul. Where do you guys think it is in your body? I imagine like right here? Hmm? Probably not like down here, right? Nowhere near the intestines. <laughs> I can only imagine how frustrating the prophecy must have been for Dumbledore, who even after he figured out a way for Harry to survive death, again, he was still having to face the fact that the prophecy pretty much condemned Harry to become a murderer. And as we all know, murder is the supreme act of evil that rips one's soul. Harry might physically survive, but his soul seemed doomed to be very badly damaged. And you can see Dumbledore even took the same kind of precautions with Draco. We learn this when Snape and Dumbledore are talking about arranging Dumbledore's death. If you don't mind dying, said Snape roughly, why not let Draco do it? The boy's soul is not yet so damaged, said Dumbledore. I would not have it ripped apart on my account. 
apart. And we've seen what having your soul ripped apart looks like after death. This little gross baby thing you see alongside Harry at King's Cross is what is left of Voldemort's soul. It is totally mangled and not able to pass on to death. It is stuck in limbo forever. Now, to be fair, that's the result of an eight-part soul, which is the most mangled soul in the history of magic. But I still don't think Dumbledore wants Harry to have to experience any version of that. So he concocts a way around it. A way for Voldemort to kill himself by falsely believing that he is the master of the Elder Wand, when in actuality, it's Harry. And here's how he planned it. First of all, I think it is safe to say that Dumbledore expected Snape to become headmaster at Hogwarts after he died, meaning that he would also end up with unique access to the Sword of Gryffindor. He believes the school will soon be in his grasp, yes. And if it does fall into his grasp, said Dumbledore, almost it seemed as an aside, I have your word that you will do all in your power to protect the students of Hogwarts. Snape gave a stiff nod. So basically that means Dumbledore always intended for Snape to be the one to give Harry the sword. And as we said earlier, he also intended for Snape to become the master of the Elder Wand. Not that Snape was ever going to use the wand or even be aware that the wand had shifted its allegiance to him, but Dumbledore did want the wand to shift his allegiance to him because as he tells Harry in King's Cross, but you expected Voldemort to go after the wand? I have been sure that he would try ever since your wand beat Voldemort in the graveyard of Little Hangleton. Which, okay, in case you didn't catch it, that is basically Dumbledore sentencing Snape to death. He intended Snape to become master of the wand and also was sure that Voldemort would go after it. But that doesn't really seem to add up then, does it? Because if he knows Voldemort is going to go after it and he intends Snape to be the master of it, then shouldn't he be concerned that Voldemort is indeed going to become the master of the Elder Wand? Well, you'd think so, but no, because that is where the Sword of Gryffindor comes into play. Now we've established earlier that Dumbledore intended Snape to give Harry the sword, but it's not that easy, is it? According to Dumbledore, Now, Severus, the sword, do not forget that it must be taken under conditions of need and valor. So, what I think his original plan was, was for his portrait to instruct Snape to duel Harry and lose on purpose. Harry was always meant to think Snape killed Dumbledore and always had a grudge against him anyway, so I don't think it would have been very difficult to lure him into a fight. Plus, if Snape was wielding the sword, which Harry knew he needed because of Dumbledore's will, well, that would just anger him further. I mean, how dare Snape wield the sword of Gryffindor, the slime ball? So Harry would valiantly duel Snape in honor of Dumbledore, disarm him, unknowingly win the allegiance of the Elder Wand and claim the sword. Then later on, Voldemort in his quest for the Elder Wand would realize he needed to kill Snape, which he would do, falsely believe that he was the master of the Elder Wand, and then in the final match between Harry, it would backfire because it doesn't want to fire on its true master, and kaboom, Harry wins the day. Voldemort kills himself, Harry's soul is intact, and it really is so perfect. Although there are a few other loose ends I do want to address and just finish off. Because you might be thinking, well, if Snape intends to lose the duel with Harry, then really neither the wand nor the sword should shift its allegiance to Harry, 
right? Like if Snape's trying to lose, does that really count as a win for Harry? Would the wand actually transfer to him? And as for the sword, there's not much valor in defeating someone who's trying to lose, right? Well, first of all, the wand doesn't care. Dumbledore plans his death with Snape and is still confident that the wand will shift his allegiance to Snape. So as far as the wand is concerned, dead is dead. Disarmed is disarmed. From Dumbledore's perspective, Harry would become the master even in a planned loss. And as for the sword, it really doesn't matter if Snape is trying to win or lose. Because no matter what, from Harry's perspective, Snape is a deadly opponent and facing him is gonna require courage no matter what. Especially when you consider Snape is arguably the best duelist and in the last book killed Dumbledore and swiftly defeated Harry over and over and over. Yeah, I said Snape was the best duelist. Take that, Flitwick fans, that one sentence, I don't care. I don't care. Flitwick was a dueling champion. Uh. I'm sorry, Snape was Snape. I always assumed that line meant Flitwick was in sort of like league with rules and referees and stuff. Not like out in the wild. Snape was Snape. I think Snape beats Flitwick. Yeah, at me. But that, you guys, was Dumbledore's true plan to protect Harry's soul in the Deathly Hallows. Of course, it doesn't work out that way because Draco disarms Dumbledore, but fortunately, Harry works it out on his own and this exact scenario plays out, which honestly is kind of better in my opinion because it means that Harry figured it out on his own without Dumbledore's help despite all of his planning. But there you go, guys. That is part seven of Dumbledore's big plan. I hope you have enjoyed watching this series as much as we have enjoyed making it. It has been so much fun. And guys, to help close out Dumbledore's big plan, we're gonna be having another live stream this Friday, but we're gonna move it up a couple hours to try to accommodate some other time zones. So it's going to be this Friday, June 5th at 4 p.m. Eastern. Hope to see you there. If you haven't grabbed one of our magically scented candles, they are still available over at carlinbrotherscoffee.com. We've got broomstick candle, phoenix fire, and sherbet lemon. Thanks as always for watching today's video. Please remember to leave a like on it if you haven't already and subscribe so you don't miss any future Harry Potter action from us. If you want more Harry Potter action, we have a huge playlist of Harry Potter videos right here. But otherwise, Ben, I will see you in another life, brother.